This is Pat Race. I'm in Juneau, Alaska, and I'm walking up the hill to the Capitol building to meet up with Matt Buxton in person. I'm super excited about this. Ooh, I just walked past Tammy Wilson. It's kind of the end of the day. People are winding down, getting out of the building, but I am going in. All right, here's the press room. Let's see if he's got the same tables. Yeah, there's a Nat Hertz over there. Coming around the car. Hey, it's my friend Matt Buxton. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to Juno. All right, I'm recording. Okay, so here we are, hanging out in the sound booth. In the Bob Tkach Memorial Sound Booth. Yeah. No. This is the. But he's he's the press room is named after him, right? No. So it actually. Um, I believe there is a, um, I want to say a chair actually named after him. That's just a, they, they dedicated a single something chair. To, yeah, they dedicated to him something to him last year, and it was kind of ended up sort of being... You get a chair if you donate to the movie theater. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. Okay, let's start over. Tell me about the... Okay, here we are in the... Here we are in the on the first floor. I think it's actually technically the zero floor of the Alaska Legislature building. Yes. Uh, the press room, there's about... Um, a dozen desks in here, and how, how big would you say this area is? Um, I would say it's just big enough to fit a dozen desks. <laughs> yeah, and probably no more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it will get, uh, it, it's all right right now, but by the end of the session, it smells a lot like a uh, hamster cage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I that's there's still some sawdust on the floor from last session. Yeah. Right? That's, uh, and I see the little, the water, uh, the little water tubes that people use to feed themselves in there. Yeah, and the yeah. uh, there's one, there's a big wheel in the corner that... Yeah, it actually doesn't work though. You've no. been using it for storage. Uh, it's seized up, yeah. and now it's full of boxes. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the press room. It's great. It, it, what does it feel like working down here? Is it is it pretty collegiate, or or are yeah. are people racing deadlines? Or I mean, I think for the most part, we're all in here. Uh, we don't take offense when somebody gets up when the, their phone rings and they get up and they go down the hallway so nobody can hear what they're talking about. Yeah, because we all kind of. I think there there's. Sort of the interesting thing I think about the legislature and the reporters here is that we all kind of work together a little bit. I mean, we're, there's definitely a competitive feeling, but I think we t talk and kind of help explain things more than we normally would in other situations. So our, we're all disconnected you, from our news. Do you rooms. talk about like who's doing what story? Like I got dibs on that, or, or no, no, it's not so much that. But if it's like you know, for example, you look back in like the when the oil tax thing was passing, or I or or Parnell's. Um, uh, the, like Senate the, Bill 21. Yeah, the yeah. pipeline thing that we're getting to now, like that is all the sort of stuff that we were kind of discussing, looking at, you know, I think one of the big things is like when the numbers come out on these things, we try to like figure out how how did they possibly get these numbers because we're all getting the different numbers ourselves. Right. So, yeah. so you're checking each other's math. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, we should do an introduction. Oh, Yeah. Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And uh, we are together at last in Juneau, Alaska. Um, Matt's down here for legislative session. And uh, how's it going so far? Today was the first day. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like the first day of school. Yeah, you know, and it was one of those things where uh, I think like every first day, there's a mixture of anticipation and dread, kind of equal parts. But I think as soon as I got into the building, I remembered like why I why I like it and why I'm. I'm uh... well, why do you like it? 
it's I think it, it has it does have a feeling of school a little bit where it's like you have all the people that you need to talk to in one place and you have kind of a sort of set relatively set schedule of things you know we have 90 days 90 to 120 plus days to infinity. Be, yeah to <laughs> infinity days here and so uh we'll i guess we'll see where it goes but um there's a lot i, I think there's it, it's going to be really fun to see how this all unfolds over the next so what amount of time when you say when how this all unfolds you're talking about the budget situation yeah like, the, like we have a budget crisis in alaska like our, our revenue does not match what we're spending and that's yes. a big problem and yeah. there's a big gap there how big is the gap right now uh well it depends on who you ask and how you measure it but somewhere in the range of three and a half billion dollars Okay, so yeah. three and a half billion dollars. That's not like um, you're not going to get someone step up and just I got it covered. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to run a Kickstarter to yeah. fill that gap. I mean, as much as we'd like to try. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in in solving this problem, how are people coming out of the gates? What do, what do you hear in the first day? So, um, you know, I think so. Obviously, the governor's been talking about this since basically last session, um, and so. He's been talking about it. Uh, there's kind of been a general sense from the legislature that they'll take it seriously once they get here, kind of. So there's been some rumblings, but they've not, they've definitely not been as engaged as he has been on the issue as far as the public facing goes. Um, so, you know, kind of Democrats are on his side insofar as they agree that something should be done. They're not necessarily on board with the specifics of his plan to a T, but they do agree that something should happen. And so that's kind of, that's sort of square one is, you know, before we can even agree what to do, we need to agree to do something. Right. And so... But it feels like we're agreeing to do something at least. Most people. Yeah. I think you would find a lot of the Democrats uh, feel that way. Um, a lot of the House Republicans, I feel that way. But you get over to the Senate, and it's a little more, it's a little different. But they they don't have to worry as much about elections and things like that. I mean, isn't right. that kind of been the argument? Is that like we can't really do anything this year because it's an election year? But if you're in the Senate, you've got like a six year term, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, so what's the concern? I mean, they can yeah. just do what they want. Well, four years. Here. Oh, four. I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah that's but the, it's, I was it's, thinking about yeah. the federal. But yeah, there's government. only ten, ten of them are up for election this year, and ten are not, and okay. so. Uh, you know, some of the key people that came out today talking about the let's not do anything approach are some actually surprisingly the people who aren't up for election this year. So the, they, they don't have to worry about the voters right away, but they still don't want to do yeah. something. So the argument that we can't do anything because it's an election year really doesn't hold a lot of water because the, some of the people who are saying let's not do anything don't even have to worry about an election this year. Is that well, what yeah, you're saying? And I, would say that, I, and I would say that actually the people who who are going to be up for election, which is everyone in the House, mm -hmm. they, for the most part, don't seem to be too worried about the consequences of what they're going to do as far as political backlash. I think they are interested in doing something responsible and they don't want to impact people um, unnecessarily. So do you, feel like that I feel like... do you feel like that narrative is distorted then? Do you feel like that it's a... It seems like a lot of people who are up for election want to do something. Well, and so we'll see, though. I mean... The, the, this is we're right now we're talking in kind of really broad terms. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, do we want revenue? Do we want 
cutting budget do we and so we're, we're really right now what we're, is uh, revenue yeah, yeah and right now we're in the kind of really early stages of this discussion so once we get down to the nitty-gritty when you say okay the income tax is x percentage of your federal whatever and it will impact households at this level then we might see a little more wavering from this desire to do something i think right okay. um but at least for right now i as far as kind of my general feeling is that a lot of the people in the House are serious on both sides of the political aisle, whereas in the Senate, where for some, you know, for whatever reason in the Senate where people don't have these elections to worry about as much, there's a much more um, uh, kind of negative reaction to any anything tax related. Yeah. So um, one of the I was following along a little bit on Twitter earlier yeah. today, and like one of the words I keep saying over and over that just drives me bonkers is right sizing. Yeah. Can you like, can you tell me what does that mean? Like, what is right sizing? What is the right size of government? I mean, it feels like yeah. it's such a it's such a like shadow word. It's yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's that's what I think is very interesting about that term is I think. Everyone wants the government to be the right size, right? Like nobody wants it yeah. to be the too Let's big have or the too wrong small. size of government. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. Nobody's out there saying we want. We the do. Wrong we want to wrong size it. Yeah. yeah, but the that the whole that whole issue gets down to the like, well, whose size is the right one? Right. You know, and and so you know, yeah. I mean, the the right size of government is extremely different for somebody who has a lot of money versus somebody who relies on a lot of social services because they, you know, either have a disability or whatever, you know, and or live in rural Alaska, you know, those people have an extremely different sense of it. And so it's going to be kind of a battle of whose is right. Yeah, who, know, whose and, version of right. Yeah. You know, so the question is, you know, do you cut everything equally and make good programs worse, you know, and bad programs even worse? Or do you start to eliminate wholesale programs and so, so you can maintain the quality of something and eliminate other stuff. And right. I, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, It is. It, I, I talked to, actually, there's a, um, a guy who works for the state government that I talked to about his department. Mm -hmm. and, and he was saying that it's been cut so much that it's basically become useless. And, like, why, why would you want to just have one guy doing the job of 12 people yeah. instead of just, let's just write it off and say this is not something we care about. Let's admit exactly. to ourselves that we don't care about this service. Mm -hmm. And well, that, So that's one of the really interesting things that we're going to see is that there's a discussion about how we cut the budget. And so, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, there's, they, they make what are they called unallocated department-wide cuts. So all you say is, you know, Department of Health and Social Services, you, you get cut by... $20 million, and it's kind of up to the department to figure out where what gets cut. But they don't really have the ability to necessarily like eliminate a program, so they just kind of $1 million there, 500000 there, and so all of a sudden you kind of, yeah, you end up with all these one man doing 12 people jobs, and it ends up, you know, everything's worse for it. And I think, I think a lot of key people realize that, but whether or not that will actually be the ruling philosophy is difficult because I guess the, the really the flip side to that is you need to come in and say okay we're ready to cut this program like and that's going to be it takes a level of leadership that and a little bit of that's some guts there some guts, because yeah. it's going to be you know we can't just reduce the service by a little bit we have to cut an entire thing and and then how I'll, do you decide what gets cut yeah. yeah and then that's when the battles start because exactly. there are always people that want to say whatever the one thing is yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I'm from Fairbanks so any cuts to 
programs like home weatherization or the interior energy project, that kind of stuff. There's all these or sort of I'm sacred from southeast. The sacred fairies cows. are yeah. a good, like that's yeah, our big thing. Yeah. yeah, well, I use them so too, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, those, these sort of things. There, there's so I think there's going to have to be some kind of taking of stock at some point of like what we want, yeah. but. I don't. I don't see those kind of conversations happening. Why do they call here. it right sizing instead of downsizing? Because no one wants to make it yeah. bigger, right? That's not no. like they're not proposing that. Like Kelly's not sitting up there saying, like, <laughs> we, the right size of government is enormous. I think it's just it's it's a you know it's a it's a careful crafting of language. Oh, I hate because, I hate that. I hate carefully know, crafted yeah, language. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, yeah I feel like you'd go to there you I feel like there you could go to a like a any kind of you know, conference, and there's going to be a seminar that's going to be called right sizing yeah. some right sizing your life, right sizing your workload. You know, and it's like this kind of jargony. Yeah, I want me- I, I ultimately want, meaningless for word. this for this session. I want right sizing as my center square on my BS bingo yeah, exactly, card. <laughs> yeah, right sizing as a verb is kind of lame, I think. But right sizing, like, yeah, there is a real legitimate the I- question. The idea of, like, of having the correct size of government is probably good, but there's but you have yeah. to like back that up with with data and mm-hmm. research and you know, I mean, like looking at other examples. Yeah. Rather, I feel like when when our legislature says right sizing they're talking about like whatever the gut instinct is because that's yeah. probably you know it in your stomach when it's right yeah and that, that's all, yeah it's like i i can't tell you the definition of uh, obscenity but i know it when i see it kind of thing and yes. it's like that's i think what is kind of concerning about some of these opening salvos is that there's a feeling of Oh, I just we know what the public want, you know, and there's a lot of words like stop asking us about specifics. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Or like, you know, (laughs) people saying, oh, we know the public isn't hurting yet or we know the government's not hurting yet or we know. But it's like, you know, almost every reporter in here has spent like the interim in some way hearing from people saying, oh, my God, everything's on fire. Our program's like crashing and burning because they cut $20,000 from our program. And it's like, you know, these little kind of bit piece, piecemeal cuts are already affecting people. You know, I think in, in Fairbanks, there was a big one where, you know, Department of Transportation, I think, is like one of the big things that's already hurting. You know, in Fairbanks, we are seeing less frequent plowing of roads. Um, there's a little um, spring up there that you can go fill up water jugs out of that's actually operated by DOT. They plan on shutting down turning off the well spigot or whatever and and the public blew up at it and it was i think like 20 or thirty thousand dollars or something like that like the whole price of it wasn't all that big but it was a drop in the bucket yeah yeah <laughs> drop out of the rock yeah. but like and you look at you know the ferry system has already changed you know in a, a massive way since last year okay so here we are we made it down to my office and uh let's talk a little bit more about juno yeah like uh what about Tell me, from your perspective, what what is Juno? Oh man, that's loaded. I don't. Uh, it's the place I go to for three months a year. Um, it doesn't have a road in and out. Uh, there's a lot of good people here. There's some good skiing. It's surprisingly really good skiing here. Um, it's capital. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's what, what is Juno to you? Well, Juno's kind of like my baseline for everything else. I mean, this is home for me. I grew up here. Um, you know, I was I was born here. I I spent a few years in Fairbanks, but other than that, like Juno is 
Juno's what I know, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always interesting to me, like what other people um, see here. You know, some for some people it's like, oh wow, these mountains are amazing, and it's like this little tiny town nestled in against these mountains. And for some people, like last year I saw Bill Stoltz walking around, and he I think he hates it here. Like I, I if I had to, if I had to guess, and he's just like you know seeing it through his eyes of everything's dirty and gross, and like why are there homeless people and and and, and so it's it, you see it through different people's eyes and it becomes different things. So when I walk around with guests, I see, you know, I see the trash on the ground, but I also see the mountains and I, I see all that stuff a little bit better um, when I'm with someone else. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah. In that sense, like when I got here, it always reminded me of like a mini San Francisco or a mini Seattle kind of like miniaturized and then pushed up against a mountain. And so you, I, for me, I always have got like a sense of kind of, like a community, I think, mixed with like sort of more progressive. I think you have a lot, like you have a lot of. There's like a high level of like college education here. I think is what I understand. Like there's a very. It feels like a state government is focused right here, and so. And um, you're in the bubble of the Capitol building yeah. too, so you're of course you're feeling that. Yeah, so it's even to the nth degree. Yeah. So Juno's the uh, the capital of Alaska. Yeah. How did that happen? How like, did that, how did that happen? I gotta drive 13 miles and get on a boat. And yeah, like how do you how do, how does that happen? Well, actually, I think Sitka was the first capital of Alaska, and um, it was it was sort of. Uh, not working out very well, and mm-hmm. so they moved it over to Juno. And it was working out a lot better, yeah. Well, and it was the. It's all that. So we've, we've. It's all been settled, right? Nobody's ever. No one has yeah. ever tried to move it since then. No one has ever tried to move the capital. It's really frustrating, actually, as a um, as someone who's like grown up here in Juno, and um, and and lived in another part of the state and and traveled around the state. It's. It's really interesting to see how many people are willing to just like let's move the capital to Anchorage because everything should be in Anchorage and it's the same thing with uh, it's the same thing with the university system. Let's move the university to Anchorage. Why would they, we put the university in Fairbanks of all places? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, uh, I mean it's a seven-hour drive. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. Who wants to go to the Fairbanks to learn? Um, and so yeah, going to school in, at the at UAF, growing up here in Juneau, we're part of this center periphery thing. There's this big central organism that is the city of Anchorage, mm-hmm. and everyone else is the periphery in the state. I mean, rural Alaska to a greater degree, but but to a lesser degree, you have Fairbanks and Juneau that are struggling to keep intact. Uh, here in Juneau, we're, we're trying to keep the capital here. If the capital moves, it takes away a big chunk of our economy, and it hurts a lot of the outlying regions because we're the hub city for a lot of the other mm-hmm places in the area. In Fairbanks, it's the same thing with the university. If you take the university away, then, you know, Fairbanks loses a pretty good chunk of its economy and the outlying regions that rely on Fairbanks suffer mm-hmm. as well. So it's kind of this interesting thing where you, where I think that people who, I think that people who are clamoring to move the capital um, aren't maybe doing it out of like a malicious, um, you know, they're not doing it to be malicious, but Sometimes it feels that way on the other end when, when it's like, oh, you have something nice. I'm mm-hmm. going to take it away from you because we should have all the nice things. Yeah, because I mean, the end result is, yeah, like it's a loss for, for you, for the, your community. And, I think it's a loss yeah. for the state, yeah. too. I mean, like, if what, like, are, do we want to just have one city in Alaska that has everything, or do we want to, you know, nurture and support all of our communities? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that's the, yeah, that's the real debate. And, and, and on a greater scale, that happens when you're talking about this, the urban and rural areas. Like, do we, 
do we value these communities that are in rural Alaska and have been here for tens of thousands mm -hmm. of years, or do we think that they should all move into Anchorage and yeah. be assimilated into that lifestyle? Well, and not to not to 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 get too off track. The session's starting. We're talking about the budget, and so a lot, there's some parallels here that I find really interesting, which is, you know. I think pro probably if you sat down with a, a ledger and you said, okay, well, if you move everything to Anchorage, would it cost less? And the answer is probably yes, right? But I think when you do that, when you cut down to the bone, when you kind of look for the most sort of efficient way, I think you kind of you lose what Alaska is. And and so by focusing a lot of this sort of stuff or, or really cutting down what Alaska government does or what you know these dividends or, or anything like that, these sort of massive changes that are kind of done sort of in the name of efficiency and in the name of saving money, it's all at the expense of something else. And I think we, we could all it, we could but, all just live in a giant gray cube in Anchorage. Yeah, right? exactly. Every yeah. person in Alaska. And, and like that, that's probably the cheapest way of doing it. But like that's not the Alaska way, and it's not. And it's not. You lose the character. You lose the diversity. You lose what we all I think came here originally for. You know, we all came here because of you know the sort of ideal of what Alaskan being an Alaskan is and. And, and the irony of, of, of the situation is that on a national level, we are the outlier. We are the we are the periphery. Alaska yeah. is so far, you know, off off the beaten path that that's where a lot of our anger at the federal government comes from. And like we feel like we're being overlooked or not considered. And so everyone in Alaska should be able to identify with what that feels like. Everyone in Anchorage should be able to identify with what that feels like on a on an individual level and then have the empathy to extend that to a community like Fairbanks or, or Juno or, or uh, Kivalina or, you know, and, and say, what is, what is it like to live in some place that is getting jerked around by the center? Yeah. But you know, Hey man, they have like two Best Buys. So, you know, <laughs> like, and an Olive Garden, man, like they, they've got it. They, that's a good life. You know, that's probably the life that everyone should, you know, when, once you, once you get the Best Buy, you just lose sight of everything. You know, we just lost our Walmart. Yeah. Do you know it's yeah. it's a big deal actually in a community this size? Hey, I mean, man, it's probably some good deals though, right? Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. We should go out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a text message from somebody yesterday that I think everything was twenty five percent off yesterday. I, I'm going next week when it's sixty percent off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all the only thing that will be left is like floor swiffers. There you go, and a bunch of like <laughs> steering wheel warmers and, and a bunch, floor swiffers. a bunch of plastic Chewbacca masks. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's do some poetry. We've got um, Cindy Smith at CL Smith AK. Uh, her, uh, her poem today is Skate at your own risk. Ice is thinner than you think. The New Year's budget. It's good. She's going to have to do a book, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Do we, what do we, we still don't know anything about who she is or anything, right? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, um, all right. So yeah, what's the good news? What, uh, let's wrap up our show here. What's, uh, what is fantastic in Alaska? <sighs> that was a, a big sigh. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, mm. Okay. I'll do mine. Yeah, yeah. I'll do mine first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to I'm going to go with the uh, personal promotion bent. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. We are doing um Alaska Robotics Minicon. It is a comic convention uh and an artist retreat. We're doing an artist camp. 
Um, so everyone's going to, all these guests who are amazing people are going to come into town. We've got uh, a lot of comic artists and authors. Um, Ryan North, who does dinosaur comics. Kate Beaton, who does Harka Vagrant. Yeah, actually, um, you you brought her up, what, two, three years ago, yeah, I want to some, say? Yeah, something like that. I actually stayed longer. I, 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 I delayed my... Um, my departure uh, to specifically to go see her. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. So we've got those people are coming. Like a lot of people we've hosted before. People who have never been here before. Um, we're bringing up uh, some of the people who make films at Leica. The um, like they did Box Trolls and Paranorman and Coraline. They do stop motion films. And, oh, uh, you want to know a fun thing about them is that their their studio is actually near where my dad's uh, orthodontics office is. Wow! And they came in, and I think they were looking for, they they were looking for some specific small rubber bands, and you know where would you go but an orthodontist to find some small rubber bands? So they gave them a big box of them, and That's I don't great. know, I have no idea. Yeah. What they they probably were just using them to fling at each other or something like that. But no, so. they they use them to make the little puppets that are yeah. used in the movies. It's anyways, yeah, it was yeah, it was when they were filming Coraline, I think. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then uh, yeah, so we're gonna bring them all into town and then do a one day convention here in Juneau, and hopefully a whole bunch of other artists from around Alaska are gonna come. I think Lucas Elliott's gonna come down, Lee Post from Anchorage. I'm um, hoping to bring in some people from Fairbanks and uh, Ketchikan. And then um, after the convention, we're going to do an artist retreat. We're going to go out in the woods and hang out and eat fish and talk about art. Oh, cool. Yeah. When I when I saw that, I got super excited because, of course, I think it's a little it's a little bit after the scheduled end of the session. But, of course, well, I'm absolutely certain we will still be here. Um so I'm super excited about that. I saw the artist retreat. I didn't know it was actual like literal retreat into the forest. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Okay, so you had some time to think about it. What's your What's your good good news? So it was so there was a Fire Island Bakery in in Anchorage. Delicious. Um, I've been there. I yeah. No, I really enjoy it. And so um, there's an Instagram account that is the photos of sad dogs wait, waiting outside the bakery, and um, it's just a little fun story about um, the sad dogs of Fire Island. Oh, and so it's the dogs that are tied up outside, <laughs> waiting for their owner. Yeah, um, let's look at it. That's great. I yeah. love that one. And so it's the Instagram account at Sad Dogs of Fire Island, and it's got about sixty posts and three hundred followers, and it's just these sort of bereft, sort mm. of dogs waiting for their owners. Waiting to come. for their treats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you get me a treat? Did you get me a treat? See, here's one shot from inside of Fire Island looking out. And it's just white-faced old lab. And I think it's like the good dogs waiting is sort of a universal thing. Like, I, you know, I, and they have this, like, good attitude where they're just like, I'm just just sort of sad, but I'm, this is my life, you know. And got to wait here. Hopefully I'll get a treat. All right. So, yeah, to whoever, to whoever is doing that, congratulations, because I think – uh, I think it reminds me of you know a saying I think is what do we do to deserve dogs you know like these are these good natured weird little animals that what play <laughs> along with our weird our weird human I, constructs. I, I and, think what we did yeah. to deserve dogs is that we captured them and, well, yeah. and habituated them to our we yeah. bent them to our will. I was like, yeah. yeah, we I mean, colonized these, them. These were yeah these once mighty wolves who are now politely queuing up outside of a bakery hoping that we will give them a scrap of uh bagel oh see now it's sad yeah all right that's a good episode uh goodbye alaska goodbye alaska